Okay, so we are, uh, I don't know how you labeled these shiurim. Tefillah, I'll just put the numbers. Okay, so we've been learning the uh, framework of tefillah, the explanation of the various bachot um, of the Amidah. We started with a general approach to the Amidah and to tefillah, and now we're sort of, uh, we've been zeroing in on each bachot, what the theme is and what the order of the development of the themes are, you know, is from bacha to bacha, starting with knowledge and teshuvah and so on. And we got up to, <coughs> actually, at Tzemach David. Right? We're right before Shema Kolein. Right? We finished up to Shema Kolein. Right? So what we saw was that really, what, what is the function of all the Bakashot? The function of the tefillah is to give a person a framework of awareness of Hashem. That's the first three Bachot, which is Ashkacha Pratit, Ashkacha Klalit, Kedushat Hashem, that Hashem is not reducible to any of those Ashkachot is beyond that. Right? Those frameworks of Ashkacha are not Hashem himself. And then we then looking at our own desires and aspirations and activities and purpose in light of that. So that means our pursuit of knowledge, our pursuit of self-development, our pursuit of fixing the mistakes that we've made or having gaining forgiveness, our pursuit of having alleviation from the uh, psychological gula goel Israel is about the psychological alleviation of um, that which is uh, preventing us from functioning optimally. Okay, then we have Rifa'enu, which is about our body. Barichaleinu or Barchenu, which is about Parnasa, which is the sustenance of our physical existence from outside, right? Not, not just our body's health, but sustenance from the outside. We had Tikat, which starts speaking a little bit more in the national framework. That's the establishment of a polity or a community in Eretz Israel. Hashiva Shofetinu was about having leaders who uh, will guide the people so that Hashem and His wisdom are really what's leading the people and they won't be the focus. We want leaders that are actually at the sidelines, not leaders that try to be in the center and in the spotlight. Really, were it not for Rabban Gamliel, then the Amidah would go right to Alat Tadikim. Because what's the goal of having Shoftim? The goal of having Shoftim is to create, a, to create, to set a tone where Tzadikim and people that really represent Torah are flourishing and are becoming the influencers and the dominant setting the trends in that society. Okay, but because of all the minim, all of the pernicious influences and competing visions that existed starting in the times of Rabban Gamliel that were, were exerting a real influence on the Jewish people, he put in Lamanim in between those, as if to say, before you go about uh, seeing, to, supporting the positive, you have to deal with that which is negating or pushing back against the tzaddikim. Which is preventing the uh, which is preventing the uh, the emergence of these tzaddikim as the dominant force because you have the minut and the minim who are an an opposing force. So you need to have that first removed. And we saw that that in Parashat Shoftim, the very first thing that the uh, Shoftim and Shoftim were supposed to deal with is the elimination of Avavod Azara. So with that, so you have that. Then you have Alat Tzaddikim. Then you have uh, the Beta Megdash because you can only have a meaningful Beta Megdash if there, it's a community of tzaddikim. If there is leadership that is guiding the people to see Hashem as the source of their, uh, of their purpose and of the wisdom that is going to govern their lives, then you can have a Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash is a political institution, but it is the cream on the, sort of on top of the, or the cherry on top of a society that's organized, that's focused with Hashem at the center. Then you can have a Beit HaMikdash that, number one, helps to mechazik, to strengthen the Jewish people in their clarity and, and, and focus on the purpose, but also it is a platform from which they proclaim 
the, the knowledge of God to the world. Okay? And then finally, last but not least, we have Etzemach David, which is really about how once the Jewish people are in order in that way, then we ask for the uh, raising of the pride of, of salvation for the whole world, really. Etzemach David is about the whole world. Now, when we're going through all these bachot, we're supposed to not just be thinking about the order, we're supposed to be thinking about how it relates to us. What activities we need, we should understand that whatever we have comes from Hashem, which also means whatever we have is a tool and an instrument to serve Hashem. And that means that should affect the way that we approach all these things. All of these things are relevant. We seek knowledge. We work on ourselves. We seek panasa. We try to take care of our health. We contribute in one way or another to the establishment of Jewish community. We, we, make, we are instrumental in determining who become the next leaders. Or, you know, because it's who we support, who we, gather, who we rally behind, who we, uh, you know, who we promote, so to speak, in our communities and in different settings. That's what's going to determine who those leaders are and whether the Beit HaMikdash is going to be built and whether the Geulah is going to come. But how we do that, meaning if you're looking at, let's say, the simplest example, knowledge, you're seeking knowledge from Hashem so you can serve Hashem and come closer to God through that knowledge, that's going to affect what you learn and how you learn it. If you're working on yourself, Teshuvah, in order to better align yourself with Hashem's will... If you're doing it just for self-help purposes, then what you focus on and how you approach is going to be different than if you're doing it in order to make yourself a more worthy servant of God and so on and so forth for all these things. If you're Parnassah, you recognize it comes from God and it's a tool to be able to help you increase your knowledge and awareness and closeness to God and love of God and fear of God, then you're going to approach Parnassah totally differently than someone who's doing it for a different reason, etc., etc. Now we come to Shema Koleinu. What is Shema Koleinu? Add to the picture. So I always thought it was really interesting that um, Shemakolin is like a catch-all, right? You're allowed to add anything you want in Shemakolin. Ask for anything you want. Anything that didn't fit. Now, technically, according to the halakha, you're supposed to, let's say you're working on a very, very difficult intellectual problem. You're supposed to mention that in Atachonet, right? If you're working on something in yourself, Midot or some Avera or some, some Jihad, of, of, of something you're working on in your, in, in your personal life, you would mention it in Ashivenu. Okay? If you're, in other words, if it's more specific, you match it to the theme of the, uh, of the Baruch But Shema Koleinu can include anything, right? Everything. So what does Shema Koleinu add? The Gemara says that you can't have Shmiat Fila when it talks about the order of all the Bachot uh, of the Amidada. There's a, in, two, in a couple places, the Gemara brings we learned it actually in our first year, mm-hmm. the very first year of our Israel trip, the list of the 18 Bachot and how they're derived from Sukim. The order is derived from Sukim. It appears in the Masachet Bachot, appears in the Masachet Megillah, it appears in the Yerushalmi. It's many times in the Shas, appears. <coughs> and we, 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 we understood from that that um, it shows a transition from, one, from one, of the, one theme to the next based on different Sukim that link them. Now, um, one of, the, one of the topics that we talked about in that shiur, which you may or may not remember, I remember, um, was why the Chachamim derived the number 18 from a bunch of different places. And then, then they say, wait a second, but there's actually 19. So then they have to derive a 19th one. Remember that? Yeah. So we discussed, well, what good is the first derivation? If you have another derivation, whenever you have a number that you need to justify, you just bring another pasuk. So then why don't you bring the other pasuk first? Right? We had that discussion. And, and my, what I suggested as a, a, an explanation of it was that really the idea of quantifying or breaking down these 
these different needs into discrete categories is somewhat arbitrary, mm-hmm. right? So to give some significance to the, to the number of brachot or the number of categories we're using, they should represent something beyond themselves. So we pick a number 18 because it corresponds to the number of names of Hashem in a certain mizmor or the number of bones in the, in this, in the spine or whatever it is. Right? So in order for it to have some significance, the number to have significance, because we're breaking the brachot, you could say the whole shevach should be one long bracha that includes all the ideas. How do I know to break it into three? How do I know to break rifuan parnasah? I could say those are really just two aspects of physical existence. Put it together. My physical life, health, and parnasah. Right? So how do I... So rather than do that, the Chachamim said, we want the number that we pick of brachot to have some significance, to represent something. Right? But they say you can't have Shmiat Tefillah, you can't have Tefillah until you have Mashiach coming in Geulah and Bet HaMikdash. Right? Right, but why is that? Why is Shema Koleinu only, what does it mean that you can only have Tefillah when you have the Bet HaMikdash or when real Tefillah comes only after, is there a Bachot, I want to get the exact language. There's up there a, a, a Shas, can you reach it? Can you reach the Bachot? I just want to say the exact language, I want to misquote, but that's the, it's here, here, yeah. See on top, there's that mini shots. We have that at home somewhere. Yeah. It should be the first one, unless it's out of order. Yeah, it might be. Hold on, give me a second. I wouldn't be surprised if that one's missing. Could be that it's missing. We could look it up on a phone. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's here. You couldn't be behind the other books on the right side? No. Oh, those go all the way in? Yeah, there's no, there's nothing. Oh, okay. I wanted to be able to quote it. Is the Megillah there? Yeah. I think it's also in there. Thanks. Here, let me see if it's in here. I think it is. I think it is in here, Juno. Might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. In any case, what, what are you for? Well, uh, the reason for the tikkun of the, Amid, the Amidah's list of Bachot, that it says... Do you have a that, keyword? Uh, I don't remember. Hold on. I'll find it. If it's here, probably. I was pretty sure that it was in Bachot. I mean, in Megillah also. Probably would be in Can you can you look and see on the check on uh, Google where is yeah. uh, did you find it? Is there a word? The, is there a word I, mean, uh, I can't really think of it. What is it exactly? Like the order of the Bachot and the Amidah. Um, yeah, I can figure it out. Hold on. I have it on Safari Topics or something. I can just, if I, if I type in uh, the words, then it'll be... Um, I just want to make sure that uh, I have read. Shmonad, Eser B'chot Keneged. The first one. 
But I know it's in other places too. Well, it's because the first example is there, every single source quotes the first one. Oh, wait, okay. Okay, here it is. Yeah. Okay, so um, at least I knew that it was in the what it was, and that's better than my, than I am usually. All right. So, Kevan Shabbat David Batat Tefillah. That's the language. Shenemar v'viotim al har kochi v'simachtim bevet tefilati. Okay, and then it says Kevan Shabbat Tefillah Batavoda. Okay, but why would it be that Tefillah would be based on the Mashiach coming? That's the question. Why is it that tefillah only comes then? Obviously, it doesn't mean that there can only be tefillah with the times of Meshach, because we have tefillah now. So what does it mean that there's only tefillah, and that, that tefillah comes in the bi'ikvot, to use his term, bi'ikvot, right? bi'ikvotav shala Mashiach. What does it mean that it only comes after the Mashiach? What's the idea? So my thought is like this, that tefillah, we, we know that tefillah is all about putting ourselves in perspective. But to a certain extent, our identity is inextricably tied up with the society in which we live, the culture in which we live. It limits our vision for what our life can actually be to a substantial extent. Meaning we can't really envision our life past whatever fundamental limits our current circumstances place upon us. And that means that our vision of a good life, the life that we yearn to have or the the way that we um, strive to be when we're thinking about tefillah, when we're engaged in tefillah, we're somewhat limited. It would be like if a person has any other kind of limitation. Now, let's say, God forbid, a person has a no legs, right? So they can't really envision like being a track and field star. That's not like one of the things that's going to come onto their uh, radar in terms of reflecting on what their life can look like. And the same is true uh, in our own development. We're limited in what we can envision our life will be like, potentially could be like, how, uh, how good it could be or how aligned with Hashem's will it could be as long as we live in a society where there's so much holding us back. Yet if you were in the times of Mashiach, if the society as a whole were actually <coughs> functioning properly as a vehicle of bringing people closer to God and educating people towards knowledge of God, so then imagine how much more meaningful your self-assessment and your self-reflection would be because the potential for your growth, the potential for your future would be that much greater because, you, because of your circumstances. Anybody can relate to this themselves in their own life. You have a certain amount of hope, optimism, let's say, about what your life can look like, but it's actually limited by, well, yeah, but I'll always have to be concerned with this. I'll always have certain restrictions or certain factors that are going to hold me back, whether I like it or not, because of the world in which we live, right? So that's something that wouldn't be true if you think of tefillah as envisioning, reflecting on what you are right now and what you could be. So obviously that's going to be limited by the circumstances in which you live. And so tefillah, to have complete tefillah, requires an ideal circumstance also. To have an ideal tefillah requires ideal circumstances because we can only have a, uh, we can only dream of or envision a life that is realistic given our current, uh, given the, the limitations that we currently face. Things that are outside of our control at the moment. And so that's, I think, why tefillah comes after Yom In other words, in tefillah is not just a 
uh, is not just a uh, general catch-all request for whatever you forgot to mention in the rest of the Amidah, even though it does seem like that, but it's also a prayer for prayer. It's the idea that, we, that our process of prayer, which is really our process of growth, what is really the process of tefillah? The process of tefillah is the process of applying our knowledge of God as we continue to learn to ourselves, to the way we live our lives. So like the Shema Yisrael is supposed to help us focus on what is the goal of our learning. That's why we say it in the beginning end of the day. The tefillah is supposed to be about applying that learning to the way we think about our practical life. But we're always going to be limited in doing that as long as the circumstances are working against us. To have a really powerful transformational tefillah, to have the ultimate, I shouldn't say that you can't have a transformational tefillah without the Mashiach coming, but to have the ultimate transformational tefillah requires that the circumstances are facilitating it. That the, that the possibility of, an, of a truly, completely good life is available to you, is one of the options available to you. And when we're in Galut, or we're in a circumstance of an unredeemed world, even if we're physically in Israel, right? but in an unredeemed world, there will always be more limited possibilities for what your life can be than in an ideal world. Okay? So if we look at the Bacha Shema Kolei, no? No, I'm talking about the list. That was about the order. I didn't see that in the words. Right? It's so, also that yeah. the, after Atachonen, at least, all of the rest of the Rachel would be exception of Shema Kolein are, are regarding things that are, I, I think you're, this is what you're saying, but they're, they're, all, they're all things that we don't have without the Mashiach. Meaning, or, or that are going to be, at least the, the national ones, they're all with a yearning towards Mashiach, right? So like the, it sounds like, on a practical level, the form of the, the tefillah would change also after, after we have Yeah, Mashiach. yeah. I mean, okay. I just said it's Yishkon and Etzemach, but I don't, I see the other ones. Yeah, all these things are preliminary and build upon the on, on, on the subsequent ones. Knowledge is the foundation of everything. In development, you know, returning to God, all these things are prerequisites. Then having the material means of refuah and bracha, is only meaningful when you have the right purpose, right? It's only meaningful when it's an, a means. I want my enemies to be very stressed out and deprived. I don't want them to be comfortable and have geula from their from the things that are distressing them because then they're going to have right because they're not going to use the energy that's freed up for something good. Excellent. I don't want them to have refua because then they're going to use their bodily energy to do bad. Right. So all of these things are predicated on one another. Right. Tkabishofar is good when you have a healthy, wise group of people that want to create a community in Eretz Israel. And then they can have wise leaders. And then they can have institutions that, that they can have uh, a, a proliferation of good people in a, in a community. And then they can have wise institutions that grow out of that, like the Beit HaMikdash and Batei Midrash and Batei Knesset. And then they can have a Mashiach who is in, influential in the entire world. And then we can have a, a tefillah that's at a higher level. Then we can have a, a reflection on the self that's at an even higher level because now we're reflecting on ourselves in, in a context that is an even more uh, God-centric, uh, I, right, God right, ideal God context than, than ever before. Mm-hmm. Meaning right? because we're not focusing on what we're lacking, we're able to, to have a more elevated focus? Is that meaning? Because now you have a Beit HaMikdash, which, which kind of directs everyone's mind towards this idea. Yeah, like the sky is the limit in that circumstance for you. You're not thinking of, well, I really like to do this, but I'm always going to have in the back of my mind, but there's still no Beit HaMikdash, there's still no Nivuah, we still have a corrupt world, we still have this... All these things influence you. They hold you back to a certain extent. 
You know, so I, that's why tefillah would come at the end. Not that there's no tefillah before that, but meaning that the ultimate tefillah would be unrestricted by circumstances that push against. It's like a hierarchy of needs things yeah. where... Yeah, I mean, all these things are tefillah, but tefillah itself, the idea, meaning Shema Koleinu is about, is meta tefillah, because we're making a tefillah about tefillah. Right, we're making a tefillah about tefillah and asking Hashem to hear our tefillah. Meaning what? That we recognize that our tefillah is always a work in progress. Why are we asking God to hear our tefillah? You think He didn't hear you? You thought you, you thought He missed it? Saying, "Shema uh, koleinu, Hashem, did you?" He, he heard. What, what kind of thing is that? Obviously, God knows what you just said, so it's sort of repetitive. But if you're saying no, Shema koleinu means that God hears your tefillah, meaning there's value to your tefillah. As a, as a process, a developmental process. It's not, a, it's not a, an activity that you do that's one and done, right? It's a developmental process. And you know that you're a work in, process, in progress. So your tefillah of five years ago shouldn't look like your tefillah today. And your tefillah five years from now shouldn't look like your tefillah of today. Right? In other words, and so you're saying to God, accept my tefillah and help me in the, I, I know that for, I want my tefillah that I'm doing now to be meaningful and productive and effective in my growth, leading me towards growth, despite the fact that I realize that it's, it's still a work in progress. Now, and that's why you're asking God to hear it, I mean, accept it. Accept it and as assist it now. Right, as it is now. And that's, part of that is recognizing that Hashem, because he's Elrochom v'chanon, which is basically what it says. Kiel shomea tefillot v'tachanunimata. Because you hear tefillah v'tachanun. Tefillah, like we said actually earlier in, in a previous class, tefillah means the positive side, meaning when I'm actually successful in, in reflecting on myself, assessing myself, and applying uh, the truths of Torah to my life in the tefillah, and I'm bringing myself closer to that ideal because I'm reflecting on the way that I pursue parnasah, and it's actually changing the way that I'm approaching it. I'm reflecting on the way that I pursue uh, uh, community building, and it's changing the way that I'm, uh, that I'm doing it. Okay? But then there's tachanunim. Tachanun is when you ask God for matnat chinam. Right? That's what it says. Tachanunim always means when you're saying to God, accept both my tefillah, which is what I have to offer, and also my tachanun, which is the areas in which I realize that I'm still not there yet. I, I realize I'm still not there yet, and I need more time. I need more time to get to it. So there's tefillah, there's tachanun, you're asking God to, to accept. And then, what does it mean? Meaning, even though my tefillah is not perfect, give me something. Right? That's what it means. Don't turn me away empty-handed. Because every mouth's tefillah you hear, meaning any person who's moving in the direction, is moving in a direction that's meaningful in the eyes of God. I should, why do we have to say this? To realize that our tefillot are not like a magical power that, you know, I'm saying the tefillah and it's going to convince God to do something. No, the tefillah is only as good as my actual genuine kavanah and my actual reflection and my actual internalizing of the, of the tefillah. And since I know that that's the case, I know it's imperfect and yet I'm saying, I'm asking God to facilitate my process of growth despite the fact that it is currently still a work in progress. See, that's why you say, kolpe, any person who's, who's trying this process, Hashem hears them. Meaning Hashem is that Hashem doesn't expect us to go from zero to 100%, but that we can gradually 
move forward. And that's, a, that's part of the way that God deals with us is not on an absolute basis, like we saw in Yonah, for example, when we learned to say for Yonah, not absolute, zero or 100%, but even a step in the right direction is something of value that can now be a scaffold or a platform to lead to the next step and lead to the next step. But it's important that we realize that because if you just say a prayer and you think it's an incantation and that's what affects the outside world, that's a very comforting idea. People like that. Let's say it to Hillim for this person. You know? That, that, because it's going to affect the outside world. Whereas if, when people hear that tefillah is actually an internal process, they don't like it. Because that means that I can't be sure that whatever tefillah I'm doing is actually meaningful. It's actually dependent on me, not just on reading these words. But I don't want to be responsible for that kind of thing. I just want to say the words and go. So the, 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 the idea of asking Hashem to hear your tefillah implies that I realize that my tefillah is in, incomplete, that my tefillah is a work in progress, that I have to ask God to validate, so to speak, the process of growth of tefillah <coughs> and support it. And, that, and I have to know that obviously it's a gift. The idea that Hashem is shomer tefillah is a gift from God. It's a chesed from God that he extends to his creations, that he... Uh, that through the process of gradual growth that we reflect upon ourselves and slowly, slowly, slowly the values seep into our actual life, that Hashem supports that process and helps us along the way so that we continue to move along. He doesn't say, well, unless you completely internalize it on the spot, it's not worth anything. So you understand what I'm saying? Meaning God is, there's two problems. One problem is that a person thinks that the tefillah is magical and can have an immediate effect. The other problem is that, okay, once I realize it isn't, and it's actually a process where I'm growing, that means I can't actually say that I'm ever done. I can't actually say that I've gotten there yet. So what good is it then? So what good can it actually be? The answer is that the way Hashem Sashkacha works is that He supports us in a gradual process of growth. And, but it's important that we recognize that it is not an absolute magical incantation. But it's also not worthless. It's also something that Hashem supports and validates as a step <coughs> towards the right direction. Right? A step in the right direction. Now that, that's what Shomayat Filaz is really, really saying. Okay. Okay. So that's the, um, that's the conclusion of the Shomayat, of the Bakashot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right before Kiyat HaShomer Tfilat Kope. That's when you would put it. After Ushmat Tfilatenu. Because they actually have one in there, like Abba Neno in there. Why do they have a Ribbonot Shalom before that? That's... Uh, you can put it, you could put it in the middle there too, but normally you would put it right before the closing of it. Yeah, so like right before, you have to, the key is that in, in Hilchot Tfilat, the closing whatever has to be right next to something that sounds like it. So since it's it has to be preceded by right? So that's why you can't break that up. You can't say and then ask Hashem, please send me a Tesla. You can't, you have to put it before. Okay? I have a question too. Since I've been with the occupation forces the entire week, I've missed all this. Um, would you say that the bakashot, each bakasha, each uh, bracha, is like a 
Talich almost like it's a process until we get to Shema Koleno, like it's an Yeah, we went process. through the whole thing. Oh, yeah. You definitely have to listen. Yeah. You'll listen to it. Yeah. I recorded it. I did in the beginning. That's why I was reviewing it. Really one, really really one more time. Yeah. Of this? Just give me the general uh, overview. From, of uh, just I mean, the Bakasho? Just the Bakasho. Yeah, just the Bakasho. Yeah, no, it's first a person has knowledge. First, first a person, to, it, it's really, the question is when you stand before God, you're looking at now your activities. How do they relate to my relationship with God? How are they, how, how can I see them in light of my relationship with God? And my relationship with, with, with Ahavat Hashem, Yerat Hashem, Yichud Hashem, how can I see that? So I start with my most fundamental thing, knowledge, seeking knowledge, realizing it comes from God, realizing it's, it's a means of getting closer to God. Then Teshuvah, which means self-improvement. Right? Selichat, mm-hmm. the places I messed up and I need help correcting or repairing whatever's been damaged, whether it's to me or to the outside. Go uh, Yisrael, that's talking about Inui, the fact that I am uh, either because of external pressures or internal, I am in a psychological state that's holding me back. I need Geulah. There's a difference between Elena and Ashivenu? Which one? Is there a difference between... Yeah, Hashiveno is your personal teshuvah. Okay. Re'en is saying that I'm psychologically distressed. I'm deprived, right? And I can't function fully. It's moved out of sort of the spiritual of... Right, of, okay, right the first three. And now it's psychological. <coughs> Refuah is health. Barech Aleinu is parnasah. So that's, that's... Health is my body. Livelihood is what I get from outside... From the outside world to support my body. Tekab Bishofar is about politics. It means coming together as community. Hashiva Shofateno is about leadership of that community, being the right type of leadership. Laminim was added later, but it, it's, right. it's what the leadership has to do. They have to make sure that those who would try to promote ideologies and lifestyles that are damaging to the community should be eliminated. And then Allah Tzadikim, that we should be promoting the people who are the positive influences. Okay? Tishkon is the Beit HaMikdash, which is, a, which is an institution that reflects that we have such a society that is, is dedicated to God. Assuming the Beit HaMikdash would be built before Etzanot David Avdecham? is really talking about, the, is talking about the Geulah of the whole world, which would be a process that the Beit HaMikdash would be mm-hmm. instrumental to. It would, it would first be the Geulah of the Jewish people on the Beit HaMikdash, and then, then the Geulah of the rest of the world. Okay. But you should listen to the recordings. I recommend it. Actually, it was, it was a pretty neat and organized. It went pretty smoothly. It was pretty good. Anyway, um, okay, so now what I'd say. Now, this is what I want to... I want to solve... I plan to solve with you a problem that's been vexing me for my entire life. So let's do it. We know that the last three bachot are supposed to be Thanksgiving. Hodaya. The middle ones are bakasha. First, Yerushalach. Everything makes sense up till now. And modim makes sense. Modim is thanks to God, right? But the other two, Rachot, Ritzei, and Sim Shalom, are very clearly bakashot. And, uh, and you can try to twist and turn it any way you want, but there's definitely a bakasha in there. No, Ritzei, you're asking. It's not just, a, meaning, Ritzei, may you find favor. And the Shesalut Filatat Merabavati Kabil Baraton, Otil Raton, may Hashem, may you find favor with our Avodah. 
Okay? That's asking Hashem to do something, so to speak. Right? It's asking for favor in our avodah. Correct? Now, okay, so let's leave that and then now look at Sim Shalom. I'm leaving Modim out for a reason. <clears throat> Sim Shalom, give us peace. Right? Good, blessing, life, chen, chesed, all of these things. Bless us together with the light of your countenance. You know? And so on and so forth. How is that not a bakasha? Modim, I understand. But how is that not a bakasha? Right? Everybody assumes. So I was really tempted at a certain point. For so long it's been bothering me. I was like, wait. I want to find that. Is there really a source that says the last three brachot are hodaya? You know, because maybe there just isn't a source and I'm just assuming something wrong, but there is. The Rambam actually says it. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that he didn't say it and I could just say, you know what? It doesn't actually say this anywhere and I'm not bound to believe it and therefore it's not true. Because that's sometimes the case. You know, you find out that something you believe for a long time it was really bothering you. Actually, it doesn't have any source, but it does have a source. So we have a problem. Does Rambam say it in any context? Or? He says the first three are Shevach, the middle is Bakashot and the thir- last three are Hodaya. How are the last three Hodaya if they're also Bakashot? It's been bothering me for a long time. Now, the Modim is easier, right? Modim is thanking Hashem for all of the telling. Nisaper, it's interesting, we use the term no delecha unisaper. Nisaper also comes from the word to count, right? Like recount in English, we would say, to recount his, you know, the good things. And our lives that are in his hand and our nishamot and all of the miracles that we experience daily and all the wonders, etc. And there's unending chesed and we, we, he should be thanked and blessed and elevated for all of these things. And it, it certainly sounds like a, like a thank you. But Ritzay is not a thank you. You're not thanking. You're saying, may Hashem do something for you. Right? Yeah, wait, wait. Are we, I, I just want to be clear. Okay. We're speaking about, the Ramam says it's Hodaya, right? The last three Bachot are, are traditionally thought of as Hodaya and there's actually a source for it. Okay, so, but does so, Hodaya mean thanks or does it mean acknowledgement? Same, let's say same. Let's say we're well, operating <coughs> with the, we're operating with the preconceived notion that it's the same. Because, because they are, because, meaning, even Sim Shalom, meaning, it, you could say, meaning this easy way to answer it would just be that it, it's an acknowledgement that, that the peace comes from God. I mean, he's not thanking God. But you're saying, Sim Shalom, shalom. Yeah. give it. But the brachas, Shim Shalom, as they say. But they all end like that. Mivarech Hashanim, Ofeich Olei Amo Yisrael, they all end like that. I can see both of these being the totzot of the entire process that you went through in the tefillah itself, in the Bakashah. At least Sim Shalom, I could see the entire, like, Tovah, Vachach, Limchen, Vachesed, all of these things. So the government from the process that you went through before in the Bakashah. But still, it is phrased in the It's weird the that it's phrased in a Bakashah, isn't it? Which is strange, yes. So I have, a, I have an idea. I, I don't know if, you know, it's sort of something that just simmered around in my head as we've been doing these Bakashot and it's been bothering me for so long. I, um, I think the answer might be this, that it's not, you know, we make a mistake to think, and I think this is the key point. We make a mistake to think that hoda'ah, whether we call it thanks or acknowledgement, you know, recognition of God. What's the difference between bakasha and hoda'ah? 
generally we think like this, bakasha is what I don't have yet. So I'm asking or seeking it. Hoda'ah is thanks for what I got already. Correct? That's usually what we say. Now, that means that in a way, psychologically, we think of hoda'ah as something that comes as the final destination of the process. In other words, I have bakasha when I don't have the thing. And after I got what I wanted, I write a thank you note to God, so to speak. Just like with a person, right? I can ask for something. And then when, the, when I get what I've asked for, I give, a, I give a thank you. I say a thank you to God. So it's the end. It's a final destination. It's a final stop. When I've received, finally received what I want. I praise God. I ask for something. I got it. Thank you so much. So when you think of it that way, looking at Hoda'a that way leads to the problem that Hoda'a and Bakasha are contradictory. You shouldn't be able to have Hoda'a and Bakasha in the same Bakha, or they should, a Hoda'a shouldn't involve a Bakasha because I can't, if you gave me a gift and I say to you, thank you very much and when is the next gift coming? It's not really a Hoda'a now. It's not. So how can you be making a how can you be making a request? So what I think a possible approach is that this looking at hoda'a as a totally distinct thing from bakasha is wrong. Why? Because we never have in Judaism that receiving a blessing and saying thank you to God is the end of it. There's always now a next seeking. Where do you see that? Like look in Hallel, for example. All of Hallel is thanking God, and then Anna Hashem Oshiana. We're never, we never stop asking because receiving the bracha, that's a tool, that's a means. We're very thankful to have it, but that's not the end. Now we have to con- continue on in the mission of utilizing it, continue on in the mission of actualizing whatever potential we've been given. It's not the answer, it's just a tool. So when we think of like avodah, there's not much in avodah which is called Birkat Avodah. There's not much in there that sounds like, a, uh, sounds like a thank you, but there's an implicit thank you, which is it's a zechut. We have the zechut to be able to serve God. We have the zechut to be able to serve God and we're acknowledging that gift that we have. Implicitly, we're acknowledging the gift that we have, especially if you're saying Hoda'a's acknowledgement. And we're asking that it find favor in the eyes of God. Meaning the gift, the blessing to be able to approach God, we're very thankful for, but we realize that it's only as good as the quality that it reaches. We're asking Hashem to accept it, to find favor with it, which also means that we have, that is, is both a recognition of the, um, the, the value, the value of the avodah that we're doing, and our feeling of privilege and being able to do it, but it's also a recognition of the limitations in our avodah, that it's imperfect, that it's a work in progress, that God needs to accept it, that God needs to find favor and validate it. Like we sort of, like we said about tefillah, but there's an implicit, there's an implicit idea that it's a blessing that the shekhinah is with us. It's a blessing that we, that we have that privilege of standing before God. Right? And, you, and in Sim Shalom, you have a similar, if you look really carefully, yes, we say sim shalom, give us peace, give us all these things. But what do we say at the end? Ki be'opanecha natata lanu. Toav v'chaim, avav v'chesed, tzedakah v'chamim v'chav shalom. So which one is it? Do we have it already? 
or are we asking for it? Because we're saying sim shalom, but then at the end we're saying by the, by the light of your countenance, which means by your inspiration, by, your, by what you've granted us in inspiration, we've been able to have all these things. So we already have it then. So why are you asking for it? So what's the answer? We're saying we have the tools we, to, to get it for ourselves. We have, right, we have the tools. You've given us the tools. <coughs> now we have to continue. And, and even if we use the tools, it's a constant maintenance. We only a have constant it because you've given it to us. Right, you've given it to us. Yeah, that's that's the hoda'ah. Right. And in, in the hoda'ah is also a bakasha because it's not something that is guaranteed for, it's not like automatically, you get it, you have peace, you have Hashem, game over. No, it's a, it, 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 it's the, what are you doing? Hashem gave us the tools, or He gave us, He helped us to establish peace, and now we're asking for it to continue, or for it to get better, or you know, for it to, uh, you know, be always, you know, lit mashech, we say in Hebrew. You know, it, has to, it has to extend, it has to continue. Just like when we thank God for, in Hallel, we then say, Ana Hashem Hoshiana. We know that it's, it's tenuous. Whatever gifts we have, we have to use them for the right reason. And they're not a guarantee. There's no guarantee. So we, we still need to turn to God with a request. And, that, and if you look back even at Modim, even in the Modim, what do we say? After we say, kulam That Hashem is blessed for all these things, we say, yodu chasela. It's, a, it's not necessary. It's saying all, of, all living things shall thank you. Vihalilu. And they shall acknowledge whatever it is. Praise you. Right? It's, a, it's a future. It's, so it's saying we're praising you now, but it's a continual praising. It doesn't end. It doesn't stop. It has to continue. Right? So in all three of the Bachot, yes, there is a thank you, there's an acknowledgement. There's a recognition of some gift that we have. Either the gift of being able to serve God, which is the most logical gift to speak about first after you just talked about tefillah and you just con- you concluded that section to thank God for the very zechut and privilege to serve Him. And yet impl- we also realize that we have to ask for that service to be accepted and to continue to be allowed to us and accepted by God. And we have to thank God for all the blessings, but we have to say that we hope that, that the acknowledgement of God for all of his blessings will continue. <coughs> that a person won't just receive the blessing and then say, I'm done. But will continue to acknowledge and appreciate because when we acknowledge and appreciate, that's not the end. It's not like when somebody gives you a gift, they give you a present and you acknowledge them in a note and then you never have to talk to them again. Right? You said thank you, you never have to, you never have to see them again. No, the gift that you got is now a tool to serve God. Now a tool to get closer to God. It's an ongoing, it feeds back in. It's a feedback loop where you receive something, you thank, and then you're seeking to use it in the service of God. It's a request too. It's a request to be able to make that gift meaningful and to continue to receive the gift as needed to continue the process of serving God. So Sim Shalom, same thing. It's a hoda'ah because you're acknowledging what you've been given, but it's a bakashah because a hoda'ah is not the end stop. Right? A hoda'ah is recognizing what I have, but then asking God to help me actualize the potential of that gift and to continue to receive it as needed to pursue my goal ultimately, which is not just to receive material blessings and then thank God for them and be like, thanks a lot, God, that was really nice of you. Appreciate it. You know, it's not like a speech at the uh, Oscars. You know, thank you for, thank the Academy and I'd like to thank no. It's a, it's a, something that's been given to me that now empowers, enables me 
to do more, to look ahead. I don't say I'm done now because I got it. I look ahead at what I'm going to do with it and what, what the next step is going to be. It's ongoing process. Tefillah is an ongoing process. So I think that's why even Hoda'ah can't be without Bakasha because Hoda'ah without Bakasha would mean like I'm done. Finished. I got to the end. I thank God for all the good stuff I got. No. You have to be asking because you received it but for what did you receive it? And for how long did you receive it? Where are you going with it? Right? So that's the, that's the need for, for having Bakasha woven and maybe that's the reason why our Hoda'ah always looks like a Bakasha. Think about even the Baha'i, just thought now, of Ga'al Yisrael in the Haggadah. When we, we say, when we say the Baha'i of Ga'al Yisrael in the, in, in, on Pesach, we say, oh, we, we thank Hashem, Asher Ga'alanu, Ve'galet Avotenu Mimitzrayim, etc., etc. And then we say, may it be Hashem's will that next year we should be able to eat from the Psachim and the Zvachim and so on. We're always looking ahead. Yes, thank you for what we have but we're going to use it as a platform on which to build the next level of our de- development or a foundation on which to build the next level of our development, leading us closer to the Geulah of the future. We're not at the end. We're at a step or a stage in a process of growing. That's really how a person has to, has to act. And that's why you would never have a pure hoda'abacha that ends with just thank you for what you gave me. There's always going to be a request, both for uh, guidance in fulfilling the purpose, the potential of the gifts you were given, and also for future replenishments of the gifts because we know that we're constantly dependent on Hashem to replenish us, you know, all the tools that are necessary to replenish them uh, so that we can continue on the process. So I think this is really, comes to the end of the Amidah. Then you have the last thing, Yul Ratzon. You're pretending that you needed our help to... No, I, I start yeah, thinking about, no, I need you because if I don't have you, then I don't know if I'm making sense because then if I'm not making sense, then you'll say, well, that doesn't make any sense and then you'll ask a question and then and I'll figure out where, mm-hmm. where I... So bottom line, you were saying thank you for getting us to this point and please help us remain okay. where, okay. at least where, where we are, essentially. Right, it's an acknowledgement. In other words, it is true. Hashem's continuous <laughs> involvement in our... Meaning bak- in Bakasha, your focus, in Bakasha, your focus is on what I don't have right now. Right? On Bakasha, in Bakasha, what you're focused on, your point of departure is what you don't have right now. Oh, I'm seeking knowledge. I don't have it yet. Okay? I know that knowledge comes from God. I know why I want that knowledge to bring me closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay? And I'm seeking it. I don't, I'm thinking about what I don't yet have. In Modim, you might be thinking about what you do have. Okay? Or the learning that we... In Ritzei, you might be thinking about the service of God that you've done or that what you do have. Right? You're, you're starting from the point of departure of what you do have. And you're saying, may Hashem find favor in the avodah that I've rendered, that I've been privileged to do, that I've been privileged to, uh, uh, you know, to offer, and so that I can continue in that, in that avodah, so that I can continue to grow. In modim, thank you for all the blessings I do have already. I'm not focusing on what I don't have, but what I do have. But even though I have it right now, that doesn't mean that I've utilized those tools to the full extent of their potential. That doesn't mean that it's guaranteed that I'm going to have these tools tomorrow. So there's always in every hoda'ah a bakasha because otherwise, what does hoda'ah become? Now this is really going full circle for another thing. It becomes the korban of Kain. It becomes a korban that is basically saying, I'm really the final destination of the bakha, right? Thank you very much, God, for what you gave me. I'm going to give you a little piece of it also, you know, chazak baruch, you know, thank you very much. And, but really the final destination is me, as opposed to the Avodav Hevel, which is everything is really about coming closer to knowledge and, and Avat Hashem. And therefore I give my best to God. 
because he's the ultimate destination of my energies. I'm not the ultimate destination. And just cutting off a piece and handing it to God to be like, I appreciate your good work. You know, hope to do business with you again. Yeah, no, it's the other way around. I'm the one who's the instrument in the fulfillment of God's plan when I have the right perspective. And that's the, that's the difference between the Avodav Kai and Avodav Heva that we learned in Hilchot Avodah in the beginning. Right? So first turn, turns full circle. Now, last, very, very last is Yulur Atzonam Rafi. I think we can see that in the context of everything else that we, we all, that just like we started out by saying Hashem Sifatai Tiftach, or if you're, uh, if you have a, a speech impediment, Hashem Sifatai Tiftach, Hashem Sifatai Tiftach, Hashem Sifatai Tiftach is recognizing that, well, that, Hashem gives us permission to speak and to praise Him even though we're inadequate and you might make the argument that it's wrong to do it. It's wrong to offer an inadequate uh, praises of God and to approach God when you know that your knowledge of God is incomplete and distorted and limited, right? At the end we say again, that's why these two takanot are mentioned in the Gemara together. That the Chachamim said in the beginning of the tefillah, say Hashem at the end say, you're saying it may find favor, right? May my words of my mouth and my thoughts find favor before you. Hashem tzuri v'goli. Tzuri is the source of my existence. Tzuri, the Rambam says in Maran Tzuri means the source of my existence. Goli means the one who releases me from limitations, from, uh, from any kind of bondage, from any kind of uh, th- factors that are holding me back. Okay? So we're asking God to accept because we know that our tefillot are limited. So the one that gave us existence that is inherently limited the one who assists us in overcoming our limitations, but therefore knows our limitations, and we know our limitations, should accept our tefillah, despite the fact that we know that it's limited. That's a very important lesson that runs throughout a lot of the tefillah. That, and, and, and it's one of the isodot of tefillah, that we're approaching Hashem, never to overestimate our ability to approach Hashem and to know Hashem, always to have two factors counterbalance. The importance of approaching God, that's Ahavat Hashem, and the stepping back and realizing that I'm really inadequate and I know whatever I think now, <coughs> whatever I'm doing now, is never really a reflection of an adequate, complete understanding of God and I should be ever cognizant of that fact. So in the beginning of the Amidah we have that, at the end of the Amidah we have that, it frames our entire Amidah so that our Amidah doesn't become a delusion or a fantasy that we are closer to an understanding of Hashem than we really could be. Okay, so that I think summarizes of course, then you have, then you have the private tachanunim at the end of the Amidah, which is something that was added afterwards. It actually started out just everyone would put in their personal, personal tachanunim. And then by tradition, one of the opinions, one of the chachamim offered this particular, yeah, this particular tachanunim. At the end, there are actually a few different ones. But for some reason, uh, the, the consensus became to use this one as the tachanunim. Uh, but it's not of the core of the Amidah. So I think we, I think we what got to go. What are you referring to as the Tachanunim? Elohai Nishama. Elohai Nitzvah. It feels different. It's personal, Elohai. Right? So the idea is... Where is the Tachanun element in Elohai Nitzvah? I missed that. Tachanunim meaning that it's something added on to the Amidah, which is a personal... It's supposed to be the moment for personalized reflection after the Amidah is over. 
And instead of, like, every, like many things in Judaism, instead of leaving it as a personalized reflection, they standardize this. And, and basically, the, the Gemara gives different chachamim and what they used to say at the end of their Amidah. And for some reason, this is the one that ended up getting included in our Sidurim. Okay? okay? So that's... Anybody wants to, I think anyone who missed parts of it, well, this is a short recording relative to the other yeah. one, so it's only 51 minutes, so you should be able to listen and re- review.